0: Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories, with your host, Brian Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring workday. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to take a bit of a break from movies, though I do have a fun surprise at the end of the show that is indeed movie-related. And we're going to talk about the awesome Rock and Pod Expo that I attended in Nashville this past weekend. If you love music podcasts, classic rock and metal, and of course vintage vinyl, the Rock and Pod Expo is a dream come true. Plus, you'll meet in person awesome folks that you may have only talked to on social media. You know, I had such a great time, I felt it was only natural to dedicate an entire episode about my experience at the expo. So, first off, I flew from San Francisco to Nashville. And while my flights were smooth, you know, the flights themselves, both ways were delayed for various reasons. So enjoy this hilarious bit about flying from comic legend George Carlin. Something else we have in common, flying on the airlines and listening
1: to the airlines announcements and trying to pretend to ourselves that the language they're using is really English. (laughs) Doesn't seem like it to me. Whole thing starts when you get to the gate, first announcement. We would like to begin the boarding process. Extra word, process, not necessary. Boarding is enough. We'd like to begin the boarding. Simple, tells the story. People add extra words when they want things to sound more important than they really are. Boarding process, sounds important. It isn't. It's just a bunch of people getting on an airplane. People like to sound important. Weathermen on television talk about shower activity. Sounds more important than showers. I even heard one guy on CNN talk about a rain event. (laughs) Swear to God. He said, Louisiana's expecting a rain event. I thought, holy shit, I hope I can get tickets to that. (laughs) Emergency situation. News people like to say, police have responded to an emergency situation. No, they haven't. They've responded to an emergency. We know it's a situation. Everything is a situation Anyway as part of this boarding process they say we would like to pre-board Well, what exactly is that anyway? What does it mean to pre-board to get on before you get on? That's another complaint of mine. Too much use of this prefix pre. It's all over the language now pre this, pre that. Place the turkey in a preheated oven. It's ridiculous. There are only two states an oven can possibly exist in heated or unheated. <laughs> preheated is a meaningless fucking term. It's like pre recorded. This program was pre recorded. Well, of course it was pre recorded. When else are you going to record it? Afterwards? <laughs> That's the whole purpose of recording to do it beforehand. Otherwise, it doesn't really work, does it? pre-existing, pre-planning, pre-screening. You know what I tell these people? Pre-suck my genital situation. And they seem to understand what I'm talking about. Anyway, as part of this pre-boarding, they say, we would like to pre-board those passengers traveling with small children. Well, what about those passengers traveling with large children? Suppose you have a two-year-old with a pituitary disorder. You know, a six-foot infant with an oversized head. Kind of kid you see in the National Enquirer all the time. Actually, with a kid like that, I think you're better off checking him right in with your luggage at the curb, don't you? Well, they like it under there. It's dark, they're used to that. About this time, someone is telling you to get on the plane. Get on the plane, get on the plane. I say, fuck you, I'm getting in the plane. In the plane. Let Evil Knievel get on the plane. I'll be in here with you folks in uniform. There seems to be less wind in here. They might tell you you're on a non-stop flight. Well, I don't think I care for that. No, I insist that my flight stop, preferably at an airport. It's those sudden unscheduled cornfield and housing development stops that seem to interrupt the flow of my day. Here's one they just made up. Near miss. When two planes almost collide, they call it a near miss. It's a near hit. A collision is a near miss. Look, they nearly missed. but not quite. They might tell you your flight has been delayed because of a change of equipment. Broken plane. Tell me to put my seat back forward. Well, I don't bend that way. If I could put my seat back forward, I'd be in porno movies. Then they mentioned carry-on luggage. First time I heard carry-on, I thought they were gonna bring a dead deer on board. I thought, what the hell do they mean with that? Don't they have the little TV dinners anymore? Then I thought, carry on, carry on. There's going to be a party. People are going to be carrying on on the plane. Well, I don't care for that. I like a serious attitude on the plane, especially on the flight deck, which is the latest euphemism for cockpit. Can't imagine why they wouldn't want to use a lovely word like cockpit, can you? Especially with all those stewardesses going in and out of it all the time. There's one. There's a word that's changed, stewardess. First it was hostess, then stewardess, now it's flight attendant. You know what I call them? The lady on the plane. (laughs) Sometimes it's a man on the plane now. That's good, equality, I'm all in favor of that. Sometimes they actually refer to these people as uniformed crew members. Uniformed, as opposed to that guy sitting next to you in the Grateful Dead t-shirt and the fuck you hat. who's working on his ninth little bottle of Kahlua, I might add. As soon as they close the door to the aircraft, that's when they begin the safety lecture. I love the safety lecture. This is my favorite part of the airplane ride. I listen very carefully to the safety lecture, especially that part where they teach us how to use the seat belts. Imagine this, here we are, a plane full of grown human beings, many of us partially educated, and they're actually taking time out to describe the intricate workings of a belt buckle. (laughs) Place the small metal flap into the buckle. Well, I asked for clarification at that point. (laughs) Over here, please, over here. Yes, thank you very much. Did I hear you correctly? Did you say place the small metal flap into the buckle or place the buckle over and around the small metal flap? I'm a simple man. I do not possess an engineering degree, nor am I mechanically inclined. Sorry to have taken up so much of your time. Please continue with the wonderful safety lecture. Seatbelt. High-tech shit. The safety lecture continues. The next thing they do, they tell you to locate your nearest emergency exit. I do this immediately. I locate my nearest emergency exit, and then I plan my route. You have to plan your route. It's not always a straight line, is it? Sometimes there's a really big fat fuck sitting right in front of you. Well, you know you'll never get over him. I look around for women and children, midgets and dwarfs, cripples, war widows, paralyzed veterans, people with broken legs, anybody who looks like they can't move too well. The emotionally disturbed come in very handy at a time like this. You might have to go out of your way to find these people, but you'll get out of the plane a lot goddamn quicker, believe me. I say, let's see. I'll go around the fat fuck, step on the widow's head, push those children out of the way, knock down the paralyzed midget, and get out of the plane where I can help others. I can be of no help to anyone if I'm lying unconscious in the aisle with some big cocksucker standing on my head. I must get out of the plane, go to a nearby farmhouse, have a Dr. Pepper, and call the police. The safety lecture continues. In the unlikely event, this is a very suspect phrase, especially coming as it does from an industry that is willing to lie about arrival and departure times in the unlikely event of a sudden change in cabin pressure. Roof flies off. An oxygen mask will drop down in front of you. Place the mask over your face and breathe normally. Well, I have no problem with that. I always breathe normally when I'm in a 600 mile an hour uncontrolled vertical dive. I also shit normally, right in my pants. They tell you to adjust your oxygen mask before helping your child with his. I did not need to be told that. In fact, I'm probably going to be too busy screaming to help him at all. This will be a good time for him to learn self-reliance. If he can program his fucking VCR, he can goddamn jolly well learn to adjust an oxygen mask. Fairly simple thing, just a little rubber band in the back is all it is. Not nearly as complicated as say, for instance, a (laughs) seatbelt. The safety lecture continues. End the unlikely event of a water landing. Well, what exactly is a water landing? Am I mistaken? Or does this sound somewhat similar to crashing into the ocean? Your seat cushion can be used as a flotation device. Well, imagine that. My seat cushion, just what I need to float around the North Atlantic for several days. Clinging to a pillow full of beer farts. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The flight continues. A little later on, toward the end, we hear the captain has turned on the fastened seat belt sign. Well, who gives a shit who turned it on? What does that have to do with anything? It's on, isn't it? And who made this man a captain, might I ask? Did I sleep through some sort of an armed forces swearing in ceremony or something? Captain, he's a fucking pilot, and let him be happy with that. If those sightseeing announcements are any mark of his intellect, he's lucky to be working at all. Tell the captain, Air Marshal Carlin says, go fuck yourself. (laughs) The next sentence I hear is full of things that piss me off. Before leaving the aircraft, please check around your immediate seating area for any personal belongings you might have brought on board. Well, let's start with immediate seating area. (laughs) Seat! It's a goddamn seat! Check around your seat for any personal belongings. Well, what other kinds of belongings are there? besides personal. Public belongings? Do these people honestly think I might be traveling with a fountain I stole from the park? You might have brought on board. Well, I might have brought my arrowhead collection. I didn't. So I'm not going to look for it. I'm going to look for things I brought on board. Would seem to enhance the likelihood of my finding something, wouldn't you say? <laughs> Telling me to return my seat back in tray table to their original upright positions? Fine, who's gonna return this guy in the Grateful Dead t-shirt and the fuck you had to his original upright position? <laughs> About this time, they tell you you'll be landing shortly. That sound to you like we're gonna miss the runway? Final approach is not very promising either, is it? (laughs) Final is not a good word to be using on an airplane. Sometimes the pilot will get on, you'll say, we'll be on the ground in 15 minutes. (laughs) Well, that's a little vague, isn't it? (laughs) Now we're taxiing in. She says, welcome to O'Hare International Airport. Well, how can someone who is just arriving herself Possibly welcome me to a place she isn't even at yet. Doesn't this violate some fundamental law of physics? We're only on the ground four seconds. She's coming on like the fucking mayor's wife. We're the local time. Well, of course it's the local time. What did you think we were expecting? The time in Pango Pango? Enjoy your stay in Chicago or wherever your final destination might be. All destinations are final. That's what it means, destiny, final. If you haven't gotten where you're going, you aren't there yet. (laughs) The captain has asked, more shit from the bogus captain. You know, for someone who's supposed to be flying an airplane, he's taking a mighty big interest in what I'm doing back here. That you remain seated until he has brought the aircraft to a complete stop. Not a partial stop. Because during a partial stop, I partially get up. Continue to observe the no smoking sign until well inside the terminal. It's physically impossible to observe the no smoking sign even if you're standing just outside the door of the airplane. (laughs) Much less well inside the terminal. You can't even see the fucking planes from well inside the terminal. Which brings me to terminal. Another unfortunate word to be used in association with air travel. And they use it all over the airport, don't they? Somehow I just can't get hungry at a place called the Terminal Snack Bar. But if you've ever eaten there, you know it is an appropriate name.
0: Gotta love George Carlin. So I'd never been to Nashville before, so I was definitely excited not only to meet folks I had never met, but to experience one of the most renowned cities for music in the United States. So first off, the term Southern hospitality is not a cliche. It's totally true. Living my entire life in the San Francisco Bay Area, I've been accustomed to kind of the lack of caring from Bay Area natives and frankly, you know, frankly, the the snobbishness of Silicon Valley techies. And I would know because I'm in the industry. So being in Nashville was such a pleasant experience. You know, I was talking to folks that not only live in town, but, you know, the people I was hanging out with were from states that weren't far away from Tennessee. And I couldn't have been more pleased with everyone that I met in Nashville. You know, and everyone is so welcoming. It's just a really, really fun city to be in. One thing that I wasn't ready for was the weather. In California, you don't have humidity. And man, in Tennessee, 90 degrees feels like over 100 with humidity. So, you know, you walk outside and you're sweating your balls off. So that kind of got, got, uh, it took a bit of getting used to, but definitely didn't damper my weekend. So if you come next year to the Rock and Pod Expo, definitely stay at the official hotel of the Expo, which is the Inn at Opryland. This is just an awesome hotel within walking distance of the Expo. And if you love the Dukes of Hazzard TV show from the 1970s, there's a museum with tons of vintage memorabilia from the show. Or if you just want to check out the General Lee car, you can do that up close as well. Okay, so I got to my hotel Friday night, and it was around 8 p.m., and I did a quick check-in to the hotel and uh, headed to the Mercy Lounge for the pre-expo concert, which featured Punky Meadows and Frank D'Amino from the band Angel, and along with uh, the band Tora Tora. Both bands sounded terrific, but I was extra impressed with Angel, because man, they sounded awesome. Punky can still rip on guitar, and Frank's voice is incredibly strong and, and really sounds as good as... Good as ever. And he's 66 years old. He looked and sounded fabulous. And I'll admit, I was just a casual Angel fan going in, but this show had me sold. Especially the vocals from Frank Domino. So I ended up talking to Ralph Vieira, you know, Dr. Fuck, and uh, after the expo. And he actually asked Frank how he keeps his voice so sharp and powerful. And basically Frank said that him being a vocal teacher to kids is really what does it uh... you know your your voice is properly trained that way and it's being exercised at all times so whatever he's doing you know it's living proof about proper vocal technique alright so we're gonna play uh, a song that was not recorded live at the show i saw but was recorded a few months prior and uh, you'll get a you'll get a vibe of how they sound in concert, and, but it, it really doesn't do it justice. You got to go see them in person, so definitely check out Punky Meadows and, and Frank Domino if you get a chance if they're in your town. So let's play a little. Can you feel it? <laughs> Awesome folks I met for the first time in person. So the past few weeks I've been recording episodes with Ralph and Ian from the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. But uh, check out the Judas Priest Hell Bent for Leather episode that was just released, uh, I believe, last week. And so it was super fun to cover one of my favorite Priest albums. And look out for another album. I won't give it away, but that'll be coming in the next few months. So anyway, I got to the Mercy Lounge before uh, Ian Wadzilla, so I checked out the cover band before he arrived, and then, like a young Bo Jackson, I see the infamous number 34 come up the stairs, like Bo racing through the tunnel in the Seattle Superdome in 1987. Not really, but it was a terrific moment to finally meet the amazing Wadzilla in person. Ian is exactly how you hear him on the podcast. He's just amazingly hilarious. He's larger than life type of guy. You know, oh my god, kiss. That was a kiss reference. Larger than life.
2: Larger than life.
0: But no, meeting Ian, he's so welcoming, he's so gregarious, he's just a lot of fun to be around, He, you know, what you see is what you get, and uh, yeah, it was such a blast to spend time with him over the weekend, I, I couldn't get enough of hanging out with Ian. And what was even cooler is that Ian arrived with uh, Mike Tyler, Metal Mike Tyler, uh, Scott Stein, and Jason Reith. And so Metal Mike is just one of the coolest and nicest people you'll ever want to meet. And after about five minutes of introductions, he was already my best buddy. He's such a great guy. Definitely check out his radio show. uh, Actually, his two radio shows on thatmetalstation.com. One is from every Tuesday uh, from 4 PM to 8 PM Eastern. And on Fridays from 7 PM to midnight Eastern. And so I've been in contact with Mike and I hope to have him on the podcast in the near future. He loves movies. He loves his podcast. So I think he's going to be a great guest, and hopefully he's a regular. All right. What was also really cool is that Mike's childhood friend Jason also joined us. So it was great to hear about their stories growing up together and the countless concerts they've attended over the years. And we had lunch together on Saturday after a little break from the expo, and it was such a treat to hear uh, their concert stories while eating some southern fried chicken. can not beat that. Just had an amazing time. These are great guys, and it was good to see them both together. Then we also got to hang out all week with VIP Scott Stein, who you've heard Ralph and Ian talk about constantly on the podcast. Scott is equally as awesome. We had some awesome conversations, of course, about metal music, but also our love of baseball. So, you know, if my beloved San Francisco Giants uh, can't make the playoffs this year, I'm rooting for the Red Sox. Well... Kind of, maybe. (laughs) But I'm rooting for Scott, so there you go. Uh, Scott's got a great sneaky sense of humor and definitely keeps you on your toes, so it was great to finally meet him. Then later that evening, during the Mercy Lounge show, we got to meet Matt Wellersdick. And so Matt has been just cracking me up uh, with his Facebook comments and posts ever since I joined the Rock and Metal Combat Facebook page a few years back. And he is the exact same guy in person and actually, if it's possible, he's actually more funny in person. So we were making each other laugh all weekend, and it was great to talk music and sports with him. He's just a really great guy, and I was happy to meet him. Then, of course, there's the legendary Dr. Fuck. So we weren't sure he was going to make the pre-party show since he was pretty exhausted from his flight. And uh, But when he walked in with his patented vest full of Austin band patches... He was just as gracious and welcoming as ever, and and just when you know, just like when I talked to him on the podcast, love spending time with Ralph and uh, hearing all of his stories and opinions. You know, he's just you know, he's just a regular dude, and was just like you know, shooting the shit. So loved hanging out with Ralph. It was just a it was a great group to be around all weekend because everyone you know was there for the same reason that was to have fun. You know, talk about metal music and and pretty much whatever came up, and everyone just had the same vibe. It was great. We also got to hang out a bit with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro from the Decibel Geek podcast. Which was a real treat because you know let's face it they were my gateway drug into the world of podcasting and and they're the two of the most genuinely nice guys you'll ever want to meet and so Chris I you know he was super busy organizing the expo and 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 the concerts all weekend so but anytime I saw him he would always make time you know to talk to anyone I you know if I even if I came up to him or anyone came up to him he was just you know really a sweet guy and the same went for Aaron who's such a cool dude and he's so fun to hang out with. And I love talking the Green Bay Packers with them. So, but hopefully the the Niners, <laughs> the 49ers, do a bit better than the Packers this year. But no, love meeting the Decibel Geek guys. Uh, without them, there would be no Rock and Pod Expo, and frankly, I wouldn't have probably gotten into podcasting. So, uh, always, always, we'll give a big shout out to the Decibel Geek Podcast. Okay, so Saturday morning is the day of the Expo, and Wadzilla invites us to a restaurant named Shoney's, which is behind our hotel. So that sounded good to me, since. I'd never actually heard of Shoney's. Uh, The rest of our Doom crew is hurting a bit from the night before, so it's just me, Ian, and Ralph sitting at Shoney's. And maybe this particular Shoney's wasn't the best (laughs) best representation of the chain, but this buffet definitely was serving the poo-poo platter. Ian excuses himself and returns to describe his bathroom experience like only he can. This place should definitely not be a one-ply establishment. (laughs) I'm dying laughing. And man, I almost nearly spit out my eggs, which I think were still moving at the time because they weren't fully hatched. Uh, And so when I left, I'm pretty sure I saw a biohazard sign on the men's restroom door. So good job, Ian. Uh, Ralph (laughs) made the mistake of having a second plate of breakfast and quickly regretted it. And as he had to take a walk around the parking lot (laughs) before having to lay down in his hotel room before the expo. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Shonies aside, I will say that the food is awesome in Nashville, so... Just avoid Shonies if you can, or at least uh, bring your own two- or three-ply toilet paper.
3: I've been traveling a lot. I was just in Austin, Texas. Anybody ever been to Austin, Texas before? Yeah? I loved it. I was there for three days. I ate nothing but amazing, uh, amazing barbecue, tacos off taco trucks. I don't think I had a vegetable in three days in Austin, Texas. I got back to my apartment in New York, and I pooped. (laughs) Yeah. Sure, it's funny already. That was pretty good already, wasn't it? (laughs) What if the joke ended right there? Would that be pretty good? Hey, easy crowd tonight. We can do that if you want. These next few jokes are just gonna be a bunch of places I've been to and whether or not I pooped while I was there, okay? We can do that. It's gonna be a long show. Three days in Austin, Texas, I got back to my apartment in New York and I pooped foam, okay? Foam came out of me. It happened one time and I was back to normal, but it scared me so much that I went on WebMD and Google to see if it ever happened to anybody else, right? So I'm Googling foam poop. We've all done that. Nothing comes up, right? Or stuff comes up and not what you're looking for. Like weird stuff comes up. I Googled foam butt. I'm not proud of this. While I was on Google, I Googled butt poop, and I did. And if you Google butt poop, you'll also learn that butt poop is the most common kind of poop. But I couldn't find one instance of anybody saying foam came out of them. The internet is huge. You can find literally everything on the internet. You can go to Yahoo Answers and type in, why can't I get my balls pierced at Claire's? And somebody has answered that question. They really have. Go to Yahoo Answers. There are four paragraphs on why you can't get your balls pierced at Claire's at the mall. I didn't even read the whole thing because it's so long. It's got something to do with sterilization in the gun, I guess, I don't know. It's weird to me that someone took the time to write out that response, it really is. It's also weird that somebody asked it too, you know, and it was me, but somebody took the time to write a very well thought out response and I find that fascinating. You can find that, but you cannot find one report of anybody saying foam came out of my body and this is what I did about it. And I realized the only place I've ever heard of foam coming out of anybody is, do you guys remember the diarrhea song from when you were kids or maybe you have kids? Remember the song? When you're running to first and your pants are gonna burst diarrhea. Do we know this song? All right, good. I know you know it. I know you know it because my mom knows it and she doesn't know any songs. (laughs) It was my parents' wedding song, actually. (laughs) When you're running to first, your pants are gonna burst. When you're running home, that's right, your pants are full of foam, table full of girls, that's interesting. Uh, (laughs) That's great. Your pants are full of foam, diarrhea, right? When I was a kid, that was a silly verse to a silly song. Now that it had happened to me, I realized the guy who wrote that song, that came from a real place. Austin, Texas. I got some serious issues with the diarrhea song, by the way, running to first, pants are gonna burst, running home, pants are full of foam. I'm on board, those things have happened to me. Do you know what happens when he's running to third? All right, no, I heard Juicy Turn. I grew up with Big Turn. That's fine. There are regional variations to the song. Either way, you feel a Big Turn, you feel a Juicy Turn, right? Guess what? Guess what? No, not diarrhea. That is the opposite of diarrhea. That is a Big Turn. That is the opposite of diarrhea. I also want to know why the guy in the song is always playing baseball, I always want to know that. And I know there's other verses to the song, I know there's when you're driving in your Chevy and you feel something heavy, I know that verse. Even as a kid, I knew that guy was driving to the baseball game, okay, it's always baseball. Finally, I want to know why he rounds all the bases, I always want to know that. There's no verse that says he hits a home run. It's a series of hits, and then you go to the next base. Even if you get a double, even if you hit a double and you're running to first and your pants are gonna burst, (laughs) guess what? You stop at first. (laughs) And you get a pinch runner. Got a whole other poop connotation by itself. And you go home and you push fluids until you're healthy enough to play a whole baseball game without shitting your pants. All right, you guys are amazing. I like to throw a five-minute diarrhea joke early in the set and just kind of see where we're at. And you guys are on board. This is good.
0: And that bit was from Adam Newman from his album Killed. You can pick it up on iTunes. So the next part was such a treat to be part of because I got to see the behind the scenes of the surprise that Ralph and Ian had been planning for the expo. But first, let me give you some backstory for the listeners who haven't been privy to the shenanigans of x kiss guitar player Vinnie Vincent. So I know a lot of fans of damn good mo- movie memories, you know, are fans of Kiss and already know about Vinnie, so kind of bear with me for the non-Kiss fans, but a quick synopsis. Ace Frehley was replaced by Vinnie Vincent in Kiss in the early 1980s for the Creatures of the Night and Lick It Up albums. So both are, both of those albums are kind of regarded as two of the top albums in Kiss's catalog regardless of era, and, and Vinnie's playing and songwriting were a key factor to the legacy of those albums. I, I will never deny that. Uh, however, Vinnie was eventually asked to leave the band due to his very erratic behavior, and you're going to hear more about that soon. There's more to his career, but I'll kind of just leave it as it is for the non-KISS listeners. And if you're a KISS fan, you already know you know the deal. So the Decibel Geek podcast has been a major supporter of Vinny's career, even post-KISS, and would constantly fly the flag for him. Vinny would continually test the patience of even the most loyal of his fans. And so one of example of his shadiness involved a uh, infamous box set in which he charged fans, uh, you know, I think it was around 150 bucks for pre-sales only to never actually release a set and never bothered to refund any of the pre-orders. Real nice guy, huh? So fast forward to 2018, and Vinny decides to come out of seclusion after pretty much being a recluse for many years. And he actually lives in Tennessee, and Chris uh, from the Decibel Geeks uh, had been invited to be on his podcast for years. And and finally, um, Chris goes to the Atlanta Kiss Expo and meets Vinny, and it goes great and uh, Vinny Vinny finally comes on the Decibel Geek podcast to discuss one of his uh, albums from the Vinny Vincent invasion, and it's a fun interview, and he agrees to appear at the expo, and everyone's excited, and he'll be able to make some money, you know, because the throngs of KISS fans pretty much eat up anything involving KISS. So long story short, uh, Vinny ends up doing what he always does, and he completely flakes on Chris, who organized the expo, and then badmouths him in the process, and which was completely uncalled for because Chris is just a generally great guy and all he was trying to do was organize the best expos possible and Vinny would have been able to make a lot of money, you know, from all the Kiss fans that would have been showing up. And, uh, yeah, but unfortunately, if if you follow Vinny's legacy, this is not that unexpected. And if you really want more details about this fiasco, the Decibel Geeks do an episode dedicated to, you know, the detailed events of what transpired. So now that you have some background, we come to the plan that Ralph and Ian have concocted. So they invite me to their hotel room after Shoney's where Scott Stein and Metal Mike are already hanging out. Scott answers the door and promptly said, No movies allowed. (laughs) So you gotta stay on your toes with Scott. So I enter the room and I see Ralph is completely in Kiss face paint. But just not any member of Kiss... It's the full Ankh Egyptian make- makeup that Vinny wore during the Creatures of the Night tour. This was the last full makeup tour before they removed their makeup for the rest of the 1980s and half of the 90s. So Ian hasn't fully finished his makeup, uh, but he had the best part of the whole plan. He was in a full muumu type of dress, but just not any muumu dress. It was a bright black and pink dress, which is the colors that Vinny Vincent wears. And, of course, Ralph and Ian uh, would be going as Vinny and uh, Velma or Valerie. I forgot what Ian's name was, but (laughs) that was how they were going to go to the expo. Anyone with a sense of humor uh, would see this as absolutely, you know, priceless and hilarious. But, of course, this was going to cause a stir for a few select podcasters and, you know, really fuck them if they can't take a joke. So Metal Mike got the honor of applying the tracing makeup on Ian and did a great job keeping a steady hand. Because frankly, if I did it, Ian would have looked like Betty Davis and whatever happened to baby Jane.
4: Jane, I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to ring for my
5: breakfast. I was just wondering who all those people were at the back door. It wasn't anything. Just that nosy Mrs. Bates going on about your picture last night. Oh, really? Did she like it? Oh, really? Did she like it? She liked it. I remember when it first came out, it
4: had a tremendous reception. The critics described it as brilliant. Do you remember what year you made that picture? But of course, you must too, 1934, right after I did
5: Moonglow. I made a picture that year too. Oh yes, it was that comedy directed by Lloyd, wouldn't it? no it wasn't it was a love story the longest night martin mcdonald said it was the best thing i ever did they never even released it in the united states feldman was very upset he told me the company had a very bad year and they couldn't have... no they didn't they had a great year they didn't want to show my film they were too busy giving a big build-up to that crap you were turning out
6: I'll clean the cage.
0: All right, now the funniest part of the whole plan, in my opinion, came when we were leaving the hotel and walking to the expo. As we leave, Ralph is in makeup in his patented doctor's coat, because he's Dr. Fuck, of course. And Ian looks like a hilarious pink nightmare.
6: (laughs) He looks like a deranged Easter bunny.
0: He
1: does not. He does, too. He looks like a pink nightmare. Are you happy wearing that? Do you want to take it off? I you tell the kid to take it off.
4: All right, you'll only wear it when Aunt Clara visits. Go on and take it off.
6: Take it
1: off!
0: So, we walk to the elevator, and once the door's open, it's like the parting of the Red Sea. Folks can't help but stare, and I'm doing my best not to laugh every time we pass someone. You know, mothers are grabbing their children and looking for shelter, while others are reaching for their, you know, their trusty sidearm. And, of course, I'm kidding, but it felt like it at times. <laughs> All right, now we get outside, and it's fucking hot. I mean, especially with the humidity. And immediately, Ian's makeup starts to melt. (laughs) And to make matters worse, Ralph, Ian, Metal Mike, Scott Stein, and myself have no idea where the expo venue is. So we're walking blindly down the street thinking that we know where we're going. All the while, Ian's makeup is getting progressively more melted and sloppy, to which which Ralph had the line of the day up to that point by saying Ian looked... Horrible and awesome at the same time, which was perfect. I finally ask a local business owner where the Nashville Palace was, and we find our way to the venue. As expected, the boys made quite a splash, and it's all documented by Metal Mike, who filmed the whole thing. So check out Ralph's YouTube feed, and you'll see all the hilarity. Alright, so next I got to hang with the gang for a bit, and Tim Bream from the Rock and Metal Combat Facebook page joined us, and it was cool to finally meet him as well, and so... We had some fun discussing Kiss, Oh My God. Yes, it's an inside joke, but Kiss, Oh My God. And just so you know, his favorite 70s Kiss album is Ace Frehley's soul album. And if I remember correctly, I think he picked Unmask as his favorite 80s Kiss album. So it was a lot of fun to meet uh, you know, some of the musicians that were at, at the Expo, and here are a few that I got to actually interact with. Uh, I mentioned Punky Meadows and Frank Domino from the band Angel that we saw at the Mercy, Mercy Lounge the night before, uh, but they were at the Expo, they were signing stuff and, and just talking to folks, and they were just amazing to talk to. And uh, finally got to talk to Frank Domino about his performance on the Flashdance soundtrack, and if you listen to our episode covering the Flashdance soundtrack, I mentioned that the band Cycle V... Uh, which performed the song Seduce Me Tonight, was actually Frank Demino singing. So I asked Frank, why didn't they just credit him with the song instead of creating a fake band? And Frank said it was basically Giorgio Moroder's idea, who was in charge of the soundtrack, and uh, called up Frank to sing kind of like a brown sugar type of song, you know, from the Rolling Stones, uh, from one of the strip club scenes. And Frank had worked with Giorgio on past soundtracks, including uh, the movie Foxes and Metropolis. So then I asked, why, why did you come up with a fake name, Cycle V? And was it a record label deal, like, you know, he couldn't get credit? And he said, no, it was just Giorgio wanting the name of a band, and that was it. So let's play a little Seduce Me tonight. Next, I got to meet drummer Troy Waketa from the band Tesla. Growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area, Tesla was kind of a staple in rock radio, and I've been a huge Tesla fan for years. The name Tesla will forever be a band to me, not a car. So I quickly got to chat with Troy, who couldn't have been a nicer guy, and Ralph and Ian actually got to interview him for an upcoming episode, so be on the lookout for that. And been one bit of info I got out of Troy regarding Tesla is that the new album will be likely released in January, and that he had a really great time working with Phil Collin, who produced the album. And uh, Phil Collin, if you don't know, is the guitarist in Def Leppard. So next, I got to meet legendary producer Michael Wagner. And Michael has produced tons of my favorite artists, also mixed a lot of albums, including the early Dokken albums like Under Lock and Key and Tooth and Nail. Uh, he's mixed Ozzy Osbourne, Accept, Molly Crew, Great White, Metallica, Megadeth, Skid Row, tons more. And I didn't want to take up much of his time since a lot of people wanted to talk with him. So I got a quick picture with him and thanked him for his amazing body of work. He's just a really, really nice guy and lives in the Nashville area. Then I got to finally meet the awesome guys from the Growing Up Rock podcast. Uh, Sonny Pooney and Stephen Michael are just so cool to talk with. And Sonny is the master at making connections and seemu- seamlessly introduced me to a ton of cool folks like Joe Polo and Jody from Podcast Rock City that, that uh, Sonny is also on. And Bako from Cobras and Fire. So definitely check out Podcast Rock City if you love KISS. And Cobras and Fire is like kind of the brother podcast of the De- Decibel Geeks. And I love their interview that they just did with Steve Whiteman, the lead singer of Kicks. And, I, you know, Kicks is one of my favorite bands. So you get to get some insight about what they have coming up and all that sort of fun stuff. Grown Up Rock is kind of very close in style to Decibel Geeks and kind of has the you know, DIY vibe very similar to what I do with Damn Good Movie Memories. And both Sonny and I have like the Bay Area connection. And both him and Steven work so well together and they're super knowledgeable and have a really, you know, a rich history of hard rock music, which kind of makes their podcast so enjoyable to listen to. And definitely check them out if you get a chance. And we're hoping to do some sort of crossover episodes in the future. That would be great to do. I also got to meet the pod father, Ken Mills, who happened to be streaming live through Facebook for the first time. And I got to join him briefly for the bit that he was doing. And uh, catch, Ken is such a pro and a sweetheart. And it was terrific to to meet him in person finally. So be on the lookout for one of his new podcast idea, which is going to be called Fun Size, in which a guest picks a song. And Ken has to guess the song within a small range of questions. So it should be a must-listen podcast. And Ken is very enthusiastic about it. Also at Ken's table was Christine, the Button Queen, who produced all of these amazing buttons for the various pro- podcasts that were attending the expo. And I was fortunate enough to uh, pick up a handful of these buttons and really enjoyed talking to Christine about her work and podcasting. So many of the people attending were interested in the vinyl being sold, and uh, and many in our group purchased some great finds, which it was uh, you know great to see. And while many say that music sales are essentially dead, vinyl is actually doing really well, and it's awesome to see music lovers still gravitating to a physical product rather than, you know, a file or streaming or, you know, something like that. You know, something tangible, I think, will always resonate with people, and this is a perfect example of it. There were a panel of uh, guests, and, uh, you know, it's tough to... There's so much going on that it's tough to see everything, but there were two panels that I caught uh, on the main stage. I saw the second half of of the Angel interview, which was great, but I missed the first half, so I hope to catch it when it's released on a podcast. But the real highlight was the Decibel Geek panel, which included Ron Keel and Michael Wagner, and they were discussing Keel's self-titled album from 1987. Ron had all sorts of great stories, and it's great to listen to, and his interactions with Michael were just terrific, and I really look forward to hearing this episode from the Decibel Geeks when it's released. Okay, so that was it for the expo for me. You know, 7 Hours just flew by so quickly, and, and hopefully next year... Uh, It can be extended to maybe a full weekend. It's just too much fun to cram into just one day. Next was the post-expo concert featuring a band that I was looking forward to to seeing ever since they were featured on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. And that band was Black Heron, who are based out of Detroit. The guys are all aged, uh, either 20 or 21, and drove out to Nashville with their friends and family all supporting them. And uh, it was pretty awesome to see the support they received. I was fortunate enough to hang out with the entire band for a bit and chat out, you know, chat with each member, and every guy is super friendly and just great to talk with, and I'm really pulling for Black Heron because in addition to being stellar dudes, you know, these guys can play their asses off. And let's face it, almost all of my favorite bands are either no longer performing or kind of at the tail end of their careers. So the hard rock and metal community really needs younger bands to carry the torch, and I really hope Black Heron is one of those bands. So, Aaron the lead singer just sounds awesome, and he definitely commands the stage, and I really enjoyed ch- uh, chatting with him after the gig and kind of finding out more about his background and, and influences, and he, he he's a self-admitted theater geek, yeah, which is awesome, because you need some sort of performing chops to command a stage, and Aaron definitely does. Kevin the guitar player just shreds, man, I mean, this dude just rips on guitar, he's an awesome, awesome, awesome stage presence, and was just busting out some Zach Wilde style moves, He was playing behind his back, and uh, no, I mean, just really some great, great runs. Uh, Really enjoyed watching him play guitar. Jordan, the bass player, is equally as awesome as Kevin. He was just all over the fretboard. He was totally, you know, keeping an awesome backbeat. All sorts of geezer butler type of, you know, notes thrown in and just awesome to chat with as well. And he just loves playing bass, and it definitely shows. Uh, Both him and David, the drummer, I got to meet uh, before the show, actually, at at the Podcast Expo, and it was great to talk to them first. And as I mentioned, David the Drummer, he's all over the Rock and Metal Combat Facebook page. He's flying the metal flag, promotes Black Heron, which is great. I love talking with him as well at the expo. And and after the gig, he's just, you know, just the nicest guy, but he also kicks ass on drums. All these guys just are great. They're, I really wish nothing but the best for them. I picked up both of their shirts that were on sale, and we'll be, you know, wearing them proudly in my normal band, you know, slash baseball shirt. Uh, Rotation that people have come to expect from me. And what we're going to do now is we're going to play a few tracks from their debut EP, which is called Judgment Day. I picked up the CD version at the gig, but definitely, you know what? Support these guys. Purchase their EP on iTunes or Amazon. You know, it's five songs for five bucks. You can't beat it. I can't wait for a full-length album from these guys, which they said they were going to be working on soon. I think when they get back to Detroit. And I think they also said they have about three albums worth of material. I mean, don't quote me about that, but that's what one of the guys were saying. And I I loved hearing that because that's awesome. So it was tough to pick a favorite track because they all rule. But I think my favorite by a very narrow margin is Crimson Slaughter. So let's play that now and then we'll play one more after that. that was feel the heat from the debut ep from black Heron. feel the heat went over great live and again if you're in detroit michigan and you're in that area check out these guys and support them and also buy their ep on itunes and amazon you can't beat five songs for five bucks all right so that was end for me as my flight was scheduled for sunday night and i would have loved to attend the comedy show that was featuring craig gass and courtney cronin dold But it just wasn't to be however not all was lost because my flight happened to be delayed by two hours uh due to the plane not having anyone to fill it up with fuel it seems that fuel the the fuel workers decided to go on a mini strike thus delaying all the flights because nobody was there to fuel the planes how awesome for us the silver lining of this delay is that author julian gill happened to be on my flight and uh, he was returning back to his home in san francisco And I'm a big fan of Julian's Kiss books, and especially his detailed accounts of the Elder album and the four solo albums from 1978. So if you're a fan of Kiss, these are must-reads, and you will not be disappointed. So the cool thing while talking to Julian is that he let me know that his next Kiss book uh, will likely be the Crazy Nights album, so get ready for that one. And I've already ordered the book about the Gene Simmons Vault set, which is a perfect companion piece to anyone who who kind of owns the limited edition of Vault. And uh, thanks again, Julian, for making the flight way more bearable. He's just a really cool guy to talk to, and he's a very talented author. Okay, so that's it for the expo. I hope you enjoyed my recap as much as I enjoyed attending. I can't wait for 2019, because I'll definitely be back and having fun with all these guys. So not to totally leave the movie fans out in the cold. Here's some fun movie stuff I discovered while staying at my parents' for the night after my flight got home way later than I expected. So... I had mentioned in past episodes that my parents had all sorts of dubbed home videos, and I found a few that they still had for whatever reason, because they don't have a VCR anymore. Didn't find them all, but that would have been really fun. Um, But I found these tapes that were either dubbed off video rentals, HBO recordings from my uncle, or they were taped off network TV. So tape one is uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, of course, from 1981. It also included and Dagger with... um, God, the kid from E.T., which I can't remember his name right now, and Dabney Coleman. And that came out in 1984, and then a Tom's a little-known Tom Selleck movie that is really good, uh, called High Road to China from 1984. The second tape we found was Back to the Future, of course, the original from 1985. I'm pretty sure my uncle taped that off HBO. Uh, Short Circuit from 1986, and Star Trek IV: The Voyage Home. So that was quite a quite a videotape. Next is tape three, we have the original King Kong from 1933, um, Alice in Wonderland, the 1951 uh, Disney version, and a little-known TV movie from the wonderful world of Disney called Mr. Boogity's Bride. I think that was one of my sister's favorites at the time. There were two other tapes that I couldn't find, but I remembered. And one was The Natural and Rhinestone, with, uh, which is kind of an underrated classic. It's totally a sleeper. It's, a lot of people don't like the movie. I find it hilarious. The Natural, of course, is a classic featuring Robert Redford about an aging baseball player who gets a shot. you got to see that one if you love baseball. But Rhinestone super funny with Dolly Parton and Sylvester Stallone. I don't know. I find it really enjoyable. Let's
5: give a very warm ranstone reception to the incredible, real cowboy, the effervescent, the intoxicated, Mr. Elgar Ryansone. Yo! What? Hey!
2: Bad job! Send back to the job.
5: Shut up! You blow that thing one more time, son, you're gonna be eating it for a midnight snack.
4: You understand me? This guy's
5: serious. How
6: serious can he be? He's got a duck on his shirt.
5: This is a song I wrote for my baby. Well, I left my home when I was 22, but I never did find my time or place. It's just the kind of thing a man has to do with a scar on his soul. Like the one on his face in the emptiness inside. From well, the day my baby died. I coached him myself. He'll finish. You wait. It was a Sunday June morning, and the sun broke high. I had a smile on my face, and I knew just why. I didn't hear no warning, didn't fear no storm. I knew for sure on that very morning, that girl was going to be my bride. It was the day my baby died. Going to great. Keep it down. In a long white gown and a bridal bouquet. How I begged her not to plow the fields that day. Oh, her beauty never stops. She felt a duty to her crops. Duty, duty. She to jumped crop. in the old John Deere. And she drove away. Hey, hey. Step yeah, baby, don't you worry, this'll only take a minute, but the wheels cut her gown and dragged her down, And it? Imagine my surprise when I looked her in the eyes. Oh my god, I couldn't believe it. The tractor cut her downside. Oh, how the hands of faith they cracked her. the wheels of her daddy's tractor. There was blood on the corn and on the hay. I as fast as I could, but all I found was chunks of my sweetie smeared all around. Big home of my darling on the cold, cold ground.
2: Happened to <laughs> oh, get <out> of
5: here!
0: <laughs> the other tape is Ferris Bueller's Day Off from 1986, and then right after that is Secret of My Success from 1987 with Michael J. Fox. That was a big Michael J. Fox, and that's a good one where he's just a uh, Uh, A recent college grad who tries to go to, tried to make it in the business world and uh, all sorts of fun stuff in that movie. So, see, I didn't leave you on the cold movie, fans. All right. So, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We'll be back to yet another movie podcast episode next week, and we'll talk to you later.
5: There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original, Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it.